burnout in the workplace is a growing concern as more and more employees are feeling overwhelmed and exhausted by the demands of their jobs. Burnout can manifest in a variety of ways, including physical and emotional fatigue, lack of motivation, and difficulty concentrating. It can also lead to decreased productivity, increased absenteeism, and a higher risk of mental health issues, in addition to high costs to the companies these employees work for. Burnout is more common in IT professionals due to a combination of factors, such as a lack of work-life balance, lack of recognition, inadequate compensation, and lack of autonomy. Today, we are hosting Jordana Shapiro, Cato Network's Global Organizational Development and Learning Director. We will discuss ways to prevent burnout, methods for healing and recovering from burnout, and strategies for dealing with burnout in the workplace. So whether you're an employee, manager, or business owner, this is an episode you don't want to miss. Welcome, Jordana. How are you doing today? Hi, Robin. Thank you for having me today. Great to be here. Doing well on this uh, sunny Monday in Baltimore. And it's sunny in Baltimore? I didn't think that ever happened. It can happen. It can Ooh. happen. Okay, so being sunny is being bright. And what else is bright? The sun. And what does the sun do? It burns us. So I know, terrible transition. But let's get started. What is burnout? Well, um, burnout is when people in the workplace or at home are overwhelmed by the demands on them, both emotional, intellectual, and they do not have the emotional resources to continue to meet these demands for the long term. The actually World Health Organization declared burnout an occupational syndrome when chronic workplace stress is not successfully managed. So it's, again, too much demand and not enough ability to meet those demands. So I presume it's quite prevalent at the moment. The world is being told to do more with less. Are you seeing it many places? I think all of us are hearing about burnout from friends, colleagues, family members. Some mornings we may even be checking in with ourselves if we feel that way. It's, you know, in the vernacular these days, especially after COVID, when people burned out on a regular basis from the increased demands, um, both from work and from home. We do see that in recent studies that really high percents of American and global workers are burned out and it costs the healthcare systems hundreds of millions of dollars. And we're seeing specifically a lot of burnout in IT. So what are the signs? Say I'm seeing a friend, I think they might be a little bit uncertain. What should I look for to identify burnout? Sure. So burnout really consists of three main things. The first is emotional exhaustion. It's if a person feels depleted and drained and like they have nothing left to give. The second piece is depersonalization. And that can come out in a lot of different ways. It's just sort of creating mental distance to deal with their emotional exhaustion. So it can be seen as apathy, cynicism, not seeing value or purpose in what you do. You can be irritable. I'm just feeling detached. And then the third piece is a decreased sense of accomplishment. And you mentioned that as well. So having a sense of futility, feeling lost, feeling like none of my work makes any difference. And I'm just not able to solve the things and do the things that I need to do. It's just pointless. So if you're sitting with somebody and you hear them talking about this kind of stuff and saying that they feel burned out, those are three 
you know, kinds of things that you would be listening for. I've heard the term burnout be thrown around like a casual phrase. It's like, oh, I'm burnt out. I can't, I can't. But it sounds like it's more serious than just something to be bandied around. What are the overall kind of impacts to business and to people from burnout? So you're right. Like burnout, you know, is thrown around a lot. And sometimes what you might be seeing when it's thrown around is people that are just starting down the road of burnout. And you can nip it in the bud. You can stop it at any time. But when you go down that road to where it's full, full figured, fledged burnout and people are a mess, it really impacts their health. It really impacts their families. It impacts their careers. People might quit a job that they loved because of burnouts and find it really, really hard to get back on the horse. So we do see that it can get very serious. And do you mind just reminding me what was your question? (laughs) It's a great question. But generally, you see people and you never know what they're going through. And some people might look sad because something has happened in their personal life, or they might be stressed at the job. So how can I identify what burnout is compared to what might be going on in something else's life? I don't want to be rude. I want to make sure that people are okay without treading into potentially dangerous territories. What should I look for? First of all, if you're sitting with a friend, I would definitely suggest you do active listening which is not just kind of listening and at the same time formulating the answers in your head, but it's, it's deeply listening. And at the very least, even if you're not a psychologist and you can't diagnose burnout, they feel heard and that they know they have support and a friend having that is a huge part of helping solve burnout and helping resist burnout as well. Um, But what you'd want to see is, you know, a lot of the symptoms we're talking about are similar to anxiety are similar to depression are similar to lots of other mental health challenges that a lot of people face and that are really common. So in order to understand if it's burnout or if it's depression, if you go on a vacation, okay, from work, you're five days on the beach, you feel refreshed, then it's probably burnout. But if you go to the beach and your depression or your unhappiness or your sense of futility, loss of hope, not quite feeling like yourself follows you to the beach and you don't feel any better after five days, then it might not be work-related burnout. It might be something a little more deeper in the sense of changing your circumstance or changing your situation doesn't change that feeling. And that would need to be addressed differently. So from a psychological perspective, if you are prone to anxiety or a very anxious person, are you more prone to burnout? You are, actually. So there's a couple risk factors that are personality traits, and some of them um, underlie anxiety as well. So a tendency toward being a perfectionist or having a type A personality is a risk factor. Being hyper-competitive or comparing yourself to others is another risk factor. Being unable to ask for help and support, again, is another thing. Um, Difficulty prioritizing, identifying with one's job as the most important part of who you are and not having your identity be spaced out among a bunch of different kind of anchors is another actually risk factor for depression as well as burnout. You know, you kind of want to have a lot of interests if possible, where if you do love what you do and you love your career so much, seek validation outside of your job as well. 
or at least know that you're wonderful, even if job, you know, your job can go up and down. And again, depression and anxiety and other mental health issues are a risk factor for burnout. So if you do know that you have ups and downs and those challenges in a day-to-day you know, fashion, then when you're at work, um, you should be really thoughtful about what you're doing and how you're doing it and how you're managing your work stress to not go down that road to being burned out. Because once you're in total burnout, it can take some time to recover. I see a lot of people in, especially startups, burn out quickly because they have anxiety or they're anxious, or they might even frame it that they're conscientious and want to do a great job. So even when they go down to the beach and sit with a family for a few days, they still have access to Slack and Teams on their phone. They're still checking emails because they believe that if they're not constantly available and present, then they're not working and they start to get very worried. Is that a sign of burnout or is that a sign of addiction? Okay, that's a fantastic question. Um, you know, I, I think that some people love their job and they may be right that if they're not available, that terrible things may happen and something bad might happen to the company that they care for, the team that they're part of, um, or to their own career. And to some extent, that's true um, in certain jobs. So you can't completely say that they're nuts for, you know, checking their email on the beach. But on the other hand, you know, if they're never able to disconnect, that can be a little bit of an addiction. And if they don't trust other people to take over, if, if, if they've trained people and they believe that people can do it, if they don't trust them, um, then that's something that I think is an interpersonal team issue that they should be thinking about as well. Um, you know, it's funny, people always think that they're, that the place won't continue without them. And then you know, I think all of us have experienced it. When we move to a new job, we're surprised that the next day your old company is still surviving. They're still alive without you and you don't expect it to happen, but it does. So I think that talking about the people's behavior in terms of diagnoses is less of the approach I'd like to take. I think to describe them as having an addictive issue or to describe them as having an anxiety issue I think that it's just practices. And in life, we can have good practices or we can have less good practices. And we need to push and make incremental changes to build better practices. So even if you're on the beach and you can't go a day without checking your email, there's a difference between going to play with your kids and then going to check your email every so often or consistently sitting on your phone all day. And I think we need to find that balance. Indeed. So. Presume that you have the perfect work-life balance. You switch off at the right times, you switch on at the right times. If you're in a job where you don't have recognition, if you're in a job where you don't feel valued for what you're doing, how does that contribute to burnout? Great question. So we tend to think of burnout as, okay, somebody's working too hard for too long, they get burned out. And that's actually one kind of burnout called overload burnout. But there's other kinds as well. One is under-challenged burnout where your job is not a good fit for your interests or your abilities, and you just don't feel like 100% at work and it's not a great fit for you, and that can cause burnout as well. Um, or there's neglect burnout, 
if you don't feel like you have control over your work and you can make a difference and you don't feel supported, like if you're not getting like the basic, your basic needs met at work, then you, even if you're not working that hard, you can still burn out. So burnout can be a lot of different things and having a healthy workplace goes a long way toward combating burnout, even if the workload is intense. Oh, I'm going to have a bigger question there. What is a healthy workplace? <laughs> okay. There's a really great book. I think it's Daniel Pink. And he talks about people at work needing three things, mastery, purpose, and autonomy. Okay. At a workplace, if you are able to feel mastery of what you're doing or you're working toward it, purpose in that what you're doing is important for the world or important for your colleagues or important for the technological interest of creating something really cool, um, if it's important in some way, and then autonomy in that you do have a sense of control you are able to make decisions. You're able to own what you're doing. Those are three components of a great workplace for people. Uh, you know, above and beyond that, you need to have a place that is equitable, is inclusive, helps people feel belonging. You need to have managers that support people and get, you know, rally behind them. Uh, you need to have a, a lot of things in place for a healthy workplace. And that's, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, actually. It seems like effortless if it's done well, but there's really a lot of thought. And like HR tries to rally behind that and make it happen. But at the end of the day, it's everyone's responsibility. If you cut each other off in meetings, if you make sure people have opportunities for growth, that people are recognized for their work, that they get credit for their work, that it's psychologically safe, yeah. So I think those are like the basic building blocks, psychological safety, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. So what if you work in a toxic swamp and you don't have autonomy, you don't have purpose, you don't have mastery of your job? What do then? Because that sounds like all of the key indicators to burnout. What should you do? Well, I mean, luckily for IT people right now, there's a huge skill gap. So I say you, you know, you speak with action and you get up and leave, uh, if you want my honest opinion. And before you leave, you do whatever you can to make sure that your company has understood what you need, that you've spoken up, and that they've had an opportunity to change and fix things. We tend to think of situations as static, but... I'm a real believer in a growth mindset that both individuals and teams and company cultures can grow and change and adapt, but they need to understand what's needed and why. So it's your responsibility, I think, before you leave a company to give them a fair chance to understand your needs and address them. But if they're unable to, and you really truly are in a toxic swamp, there's great companies out there that are looking for people like you and you can pick up and move and find yourself much happier. And I mean, I think that that sort of marketplace that we have for talent encourages people to be better at their work and encourages companies to be better to their people. So I do encourage that. 
So are there specific paths or roles within IT that you see as being generally less burnt out than others? Where should I go if I want a relaxed time? So, and I don't have a great answer for that, but I will say that, you know, 60% of IT workers feel physically and emotionally drained. And 33% said that they're considering leaving due to the stress and the burnout. So we do know that um, IT workers that are focused on security, there's a lot of burnout right, right now due to just the increased amount and complexity of attacks that they need to defend against. And again, without always having the right amount of um, staff, without having always the right amount of budget and of executive alignments. So there's there's a lot of challenges there and for IT in general. But you know, I think when looking at a new company that you would consider joining, so much of it depends on the company culture and the way they do things. So you can have a company that is handling a lot of complex IT stuff and you know a lot of attacks. But if their processes are good, if the managers are thoughtful, if they listen to you, if they respect your time off, those are some key things that will help you make the right decision. You know, a lot of work stress isn't even because you're getting a lot of emails. It's because you're getting emails that you shouldn't be having to deal with or that you're getting because the processes are stupid or because people are not working optimally together. And that's where the stress starts. It doesn't start always when you're doing something that you know is super important and that you know you're doing it well, even if you're doing it a lot. All right, it might be a personal question, but have you ever burnt out? Uh, yeah, actually. How did you cope with that? Um, you know, during COVID, I I'm a single mom and I was home with my son, working a global job with a lot of different time zones. It was exhausting. It was exhausting and there was no end in sight. I took a little time off, actually. I took about a month off and it was absolutely necessary. I put my foot down and I said, look, I need, I need this time. And, you know, thankfully I work at Cato and they're a company that understands and respects employee needs. And the company scrambled and found a solution. And when I came back, I was able to pick back up and kind of diversify also the things I was doing. So I'm, you know, I'm thankful that the company was able to support me in that way when I needed it. And I'll share actually a couple additional risk factors that people should be aware of. If you have health issues in your personal life, if you're a primary caregiver, if you're working more than one job, if you're taking care of elderly parents, um, you know, if you have any challenges, you know, if you're part of a, a minority group or a group that is sometimes um, discriminated against, these are all major risk factors. So if outside of work you have additional challenges. You know, women actually tend to burn out more than men. So if you have additional challenges, then you should be aware of that. And I'm a believer in setting boundaries with work because if you don't set the boundaries, and again, they have to be reasonable and they have to be thought out and discussed, you know, ideally with your manager. But if you don't do it, then at the end of the day, 
you're going to probably end up less engaged. You're going to probably end up you know, on the road to burnout, which is where people make critical mistakes, especially when dealing with lots of complex technologies. And that's where really kind of problematic stuff happens. You know, I'd rather not see my performance decline and start being irritable with my colleagues before I come around to the point where I'm like, okay, you need a break. So if you could have gone back to, gone back in time to high stress, mid-COVID Jordana, what advice would you give her? Because now you seem to be in a more calm state, a more... I see calmed is a bad, bad word, but a more stable state. Burnout is an emotional thing. We all know that. Because <laughs> when you're finding work data, stress, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Good. What, what advice would you give pre or due burnout, Jordana? So I would give myself the advice of first of all, work smarter, not harder. You know, prioritizing is a major issue for everyone. And you know, doing it well is a skill that everyone needs to have, especially when there's so many tasks. So I would have worked on my prioritization. Um, I would have learned about how to say no or how to say, let's do this later to people and not felt like I had to do everything all the time. And again, prioritization, knowing what you need to do right away is, is very important. I'm not saying like be a slacker, but, you know, knowing what you can what's less important and less urgent and putting it in the, in the right time slot. And then also I would have said to myself, okay, you know, I would have noticed that I had started to be more irritable. I would have noticed that I had started to feel a little bit lost and be more cynical. And I would have said to myself, this is not because you don't love your job. And this is not because you don't love your colleagues or your company. This is because these are initial signs of burnout. And so you need to take action. I would have said that to myself and I would have taken action earlier so that I would have kind of moderated and like before I was burnt out, like I would wake up in the middle of the night to check emails because we do work globally. So emails can come from anywhere in the world at any time of night. The first thing I would do in the morning is I'd wake up before my alarm and I would check my Slack and my emails. I would get into bed at night and I would check my Slack and my emails and then my personal emails and then all these other things as well, I would check like eight or nine different things and then try to sleep, you know, and that was, you know, getting a good night's sleep is another way to not get burned out. You need to make sure you're eating well, sleeping well, exercising, taking care of your basic needs. So again, if I was to go back in time, I would make sure that I had healthier habits at home and at work. And then I could have handled the workload a little bit better and not gotten to exactly where I got to. Okay. So take care of yourself, I guess, is the key takeaway here. And listen to your own body. You know, if you start to stop loving the thing that you've loved for many years, try and take a step back and understand why. What's causing this to be the problem? Because if you're not happy, the people around you generally won't be either. So thank you for your time, Jordana. It's been fantastic talking to you. And honestly, it's felt like a free therapy lesson. So thank you very much. You're welcome. And if I can just share one other thing with any of the listeners, a really helpful tool for burnouts. So Brene Brown has a podcast um, and she talks about burnout in it. And that having high levels of stress during the day is 
a normal part of life. Our bodies are built and we are equipped to deal with it. The problem is, is when we get stuck in the stress cycle without working all the way through. So what we need to do is we need to complete the stress response cycle. Okay. So our body has gotten stressed. It's responded and in the way to deal with the stress. And once the stress is complete, our body doesn't automatically go back to a non-stressed model of working. So what you need to do is after work, you need to take a little while, if you can, or at some point, you need to set some time in your day to get out of that stress cycle and to complete it. It can be done with physical exercise. It can be done with breathing. And that is a really quick way to do it. Nice, slow, deep breaths positive social interaction, laughter, a long hug, um, creative expression, all these different tools. If you do them for a little while after work, even on your way home or sit at your desk for another minute or two and just breathe a little bit after you turn off your computer, that will help your body complete that cycle. So even if you don't have a lot of control about your personal you know, mental health issues, or your life cycle, or the organizational risk factors and the, the culture that you're in, if you're able to complete your stress cycle, you will very much reduce the risk of burnout. So I encourage everyone to do that. And thank you for listening. That's fantastic. Time to turn off the computer, go home and give the kids a big old hug. Thank you, Jordana. Until next time, stay safe.